My brothers and sisters in the Lord, every time I hear this account of Christ's passion each Good Friday, there is a part of me that keeps hoping that there would be another ending. I hope that the soldiers would turn back, or Pilate would change his mind, or the people would cry out for Jesus to be the one freed instead of Barabbas. What happens is so heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. You just don't want to imagine that this is the way it happened. There has to be another ending. But you see, my friends, there isn't. It is inevitable, and the effect is devastating. Our experience of this gospel reading this afternoon is heightened by everything around us. There is a profound sense of loss, of absence in the church right now. No bells, no decorations, mournful music, an empty tabernacle, a bare altar, red vestments, a symbol of martyrdom, a reminder of the blood that was shed. This is the only day in the church calendar when the Mass is not celebrated. We are almost in a state of suspended animation. All we can do is remember once more what was given for us. We reflect, we relive it, we grieve. In many places, my dear friends, people still turn off the televisions or the radios or the computer. In chapels and churches around the world this day, people pray the stations of the cross and retrace Christ's steps and recite the ancient words that are engraved in our hearts. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. The holy cross, my friends, the cross this day is our signpost, our true north, the center of our worship, and for good reason, because we embrace in a profound way its meaning, its power, and even its necessity. Mary, some other woman, and the beloved disciple are depicted as standing near the cross. This is the place where Jesus says, it is finished. He has accomplished the mission given him by the Father. This is the place where he bows his head and hands over the Spirit. The gift of his Spirit to all those who believe in him. This is the place where a soldier thrusts the lands into his side and blood and water flow out, signifying the new light that comes forth from the crucified Christ. Standing near the cross of Jesus, my friends, is both a painful and a powerful place to be. And each of us, my brothers and sisters, has stood near the cross at a particular moment in our own lives. We know this place very well. The situation may have involved a serious illness or the loss of a family member, grappling with a broken relationship, experiencing a terrible disappointment, facing a disability, or a thousand other things. Whatever the situation, we know that standing near the cross is indeed a painful place to be. The Gospels do not suppress or gloss over the pain of the cross. In an era in which we talk about a Messiah who had been crucified sounds ludicrous to many people, 
The Christian scriptures presented the death of Jesus directly and vividly. For Christians, keeping the memory of Jesus' death is a living reminder that we are never alone as we stand near the cross in our own lives. While our faith does not magically remove the pain of that place, you and I are assured that Jesus, the crucified Son of God, is in solidarity with us at that moment. He is intimately close to us because he has experienced that place in the most personal and intense way possible. But you see, my friends, only at the cross will we see the full weight of our sin. Only at the cross will we see the full height of his glory. Only at the cross will we grasp the full joy of our salvation. Only at the cross will we see clearly what is true. In a few moments, my dear friends, we will venerate the cross with a kiss, expressing in a small way that this instrument of suffering was also the key that unlocked for us our salvation. The cross, we affirm, was a means to an end, not an end itself. Yet for all its sorrow and pain, all its drama and tragedy. This account of Christ's passion and death offers us something else, something that may seem contradictory. It gives us a reason to hope. And it's there in the words we just heard proclaimed. St. John's story of the passion is bracketed, bookend, with a detail that is easy to overlook. It begins and it ends in a garden. The detail, my friend, friends, is no coincidence. St. John is giving us an echo of Eden, where man's journey on earth began and where he fell from grace. But now we have a new Adam Christ who steps into the garden to face betrayal and suffering and judgment and death. And when it is all over, it is to a garden where he is returned after the crucifixion to a new tomb to await the resurrection. The implication, my friends, here is profoundly beautiful. With his passion, Christ gave us a new genesis. He remade the world. He offered us a new beginning, a new chance, a new way of going forward. We were given a new Adam and a new Eden. This gospel indicates that the garden, the site of man's fall, became the place where he would rise. I mentioned that the church does not celebrate Mass this day. In fact, my brothers and sisters, there are only two sacraments that are offered on the day we commemorate the crucifixion. Reconciliation and the anointing of the sick. These are the sacraments of renewal and forgiveness and healing. They underscore what this day is about and point to one reason why we call this Friday good. Because what happened this day, because of what happened this day, we can begin again. Because of what happened this day, our world has been remade. Christ's last words in this gospel tell us it is finished. What is finished, my friends? Christ's earthly life is finished. A long chapter in human history is finished. Our old way of living is finished. 
Humanity's wait for a savior is finished. And as much as we may want this gospel to have another ending, we realize that God's overwhelming love gave us something better. One chapter is finished. Yes, indeed. But the story, my friends, isn't over.